It's a great day to study God's Word on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we complete our study in the book of Philippians today with a powerful message from Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So as you open your Bible to chapter 4, Greg Harris is here to update us on some exciting things happening around the world. Yes, Steve, it's such a great privilege and honor that you and I have to talk to our listening family. We use that phrase intentionally. Yeah. It's not us and them. You are part of this ministry. We hear from you. Those of you that are listening, we know you're praying, you're giving, you're sharing the ministry. Yeah. And we know there's a whole bunch of you that are doing that and you haven't yet written to us yet. So we would love for you to tell us your story. Tell us how the Bible bus has impacted your life. More importantly, though, how scripture has impacted your life and what you're learning, in this case, in the book of Philippians. That's right. And because you are part of the ministry, we want to tell you some things that we might not otherwise have the chance to tell you. Now, we don't want to get caught up in how we run through the Bible of the administration, but one thing we want you to know is that as you're tirelessly listening and praying and supporting the ministry, we are tirelessly working to get the whole word to the whole world. And one of the ways that's happening is our global leadership team is growing. And you might say, well, why are you growing that leadership team. Well, I think we all know the world is getting a lot more complicated. Media is getting a lot more complicated. And we need people that we trust to be hands-on, looking at quality control and helping us figure out how God wants us to grow. The world, you know, 10, 20 years ago used to be so much easier in many ways for through the Bible. It was like, okay, find a producer, translate the program, make the program, press play on a local radio station (laughs) and then build a support team. Well, now the delivery method, which you've talked about in the past, has really that model. Yes, radio is still there, but all of the different media apps that we have, social media, all the way that people can consume and then need different types of follow up really has expanded the depth of our ministry and the breadth of it. That's right. And so what we want to share with you is good news that God is bringing us some great leaders to help us, particularly in South Asia, where a huge percentage of the world lives in countries like India and the surrounding countries. And so we, by the grace of God, now have some great leadership that are focusing on South Asia. Well, what does that mean? Well, one thing is we talk about home groups. Well, there are thousands of home groups, and we want to not just have growth without quality. Yeah. And so these leaders are working very closely with the on-the-ground teams to assure that that it's through the Bible and that the leadership is good and they're not veering off. And so when you hear us read letters from home groups, there's a lot of work that's making yeah. sure that that's yeah. good. And I'm excited about how the leaders in South Asia, particularly Andrew yeah. and George, George Philip, yeah. who developed the, the, the model for the home groups is now taking it to other continents. We're going to be in March. We're going to be going to Africa and leaders are going to be trained on how to implement small groups in Africa in Kenya. So you can be praying for that as well. What this highlights, Steve, is that because of our praying, supporting team, God is showing us where to go into the future. This move into Africa with home groups is, I think, really significant. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, my background is sales, and a lot of times I had to generate the sales by going on doors and knocking on doors or picking up the phone and bugging people. It was a job I did not like, that aspect of it. And we don't have to do that with no, the Bible. No. It's just people here, in part by this, by the program and by other means all around the world, and they open the door for us and say, come, show us how to do this. And this is an example of how it happened in Africa. Yes, and in fact, that's a great example of us not having to push. We had a couple of ministries that wanted George Philip to train them. How do you build this home group network in Africa? It's That meeting is now going to be about eight or nine different ministries. We're yeah. going to have about 50 leaders there, and we didn't do that. The Lord did that. Yeah. So 
really what we want to say to you today is be encouraged. God is bringing us the people we need. Your prayer support makes all the difference in the world to help guide us spiritually as we have so many opportunities. And we're looking forward to reporting the fruit that's going to come out of all of these new initiatives. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin our study in Philippians? Well, Father, we know you you hear us, you know our hearts and our thoughts, and we just want to continue to praise you for the way that you lead this ministry, the way that you grow the ministry, and we simply want to be obedient servants to you, and we want to take the whole word to the whole world because you've given us that mission. So we rejoice and we look forward in hope to what you will continue to do in and through the humble efforts of this team, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our final study in Philippians on Through the Bible. Now we conclude Philippians, and this has been a very important book, and I've given it, as you have discovered, that kind of attention, because we've actually had now 18 studies in this little epistle of Philippians, and that's how important we felt that it is. And in this five-year program, we've been able to spend that much time. We saw first the philosophy of Christian living expressed in one sentence, for me to live Christ, to die gain, a high philosophy. I wish today I could say honestly that that's my philosophy of living, and I don't mean something I agree to because I agree to it, but something that I have found that has brought me to the highest plane. But I'm pressing on to the mark. We find in chapter 2 the pattern for Christian living, and let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind? A mind of humbleness, lowliness of mind. And the Lord Jesus had that kind of mind, and the Spirit of God alone can reproduce that in your heart and my heart today. Then in chapter 3, the prize for Christian living. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here in chapter 4, we have the power for Christian living, and that's very important to have power. We saw the source of power is joy. The secret of power is prayer. The sanctuary of power is where you and I can get alone with the Lord Jesus, where we can make our confession, open our heart to him, have him cleanse us because he's girded with a towel whereby he washes not only the feet, the minds, the hearts, the eyes, the ears of those that are his, that we might have fellowship with him. That's the place we need to go to. And now we have the satisfaction of power. Men are power-hungry. That's the reason men are in politics. The reason that men are in the military. The reason today men are in colleges. The reason that men are in business. They want to be in a place of power where they can exercise power. But, you know, power is a dangerous thing. And man has unlocked some of the secrets that God has permitted him to unlock. And it reveals how dangerous man has become. And it's moving man toward an antichrist. He'll be the most dangerous individual the world has ever seen. Because he's going to be sitting at a desk that has a button there, and he can press it. He could destroy the world. And I tell you, when a man gets in a place like that, he's going to run things, power. 
and it's a dangerous thing. Now, what about the power of the believer? What is the satisfaction of that power? And Paul now says in verse 13, I can do all things not through Christ. That's all right. But I mean, let's take the preposition that Paul uses. I can do all things in Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, I can do all things. Don't stop there, because you can't do all things. You can do all things in Christ. And that means in the context of the will of Christ for your life. Whatever he has for you to do, he supplies the power. Whatever gift that he gives you, he'll give you the power to exercise that gift. And that is, after all, what a gift is. A gift is a manifestation of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. And therefore, power is in this context of the will of Christ. You're in Christ. As long as you function in Christ, you'll have power to do what he wants you to do. Now, I think I can illustrate that with a very homely illustration. As many of you already know, I'm a trained man rather than a plain man. I'm plain, P-L-A-I-N, but not P-L-A-N-E. I don't go for the planes. I have to use them, and I find myself flying all over this universe. I wish I didn't have to do it. I wish I could go there by train. And it's gratifying to see the train come back. So I want to give you an illustration of a train. Between Los Angeles and Pasadena, right here where I live, there comes through here a train known as the Super Chief. And it goes from here to Chicago, from Chicago here. Now, that Super Chief is a tremendous train in my book. Believe me, I think the Santa Fe ought to do something about all this good publicity I give them, or Amtrak, or whoever's running it. And I enjoy that train, and I've noticed that it goes by with tremendous power. And it seems to me like that Super Chief says when it goes by, I can do all things in the track between Chicago and Los Angeles that a super chief is supposed to do. And it can do it. Goes over the highest point that any train goes over in this country, way out yonder, Ratoon Pass, as you come out of Colorado into New Mexico or vice versa. And it's a high point, and that train slows down, but it doesn't hesitate. It just goes right to the top and down on the other side, then just tears out through those mountains. It can do all things. Now, suppose that that super chief would say this. For years, I have been taking people back and forth, Los Angeles, Chicago, Chicago, Los Angeles. And very frankly, this gets a little monotonous. I noticed that a group of people get off at Flagstaff, Arizona now, and they go over there to the Grand Canyon. They all seem to enjoy seeing it. Now, I've been coming by here for years, and I've never seen Grand Canyon. I wonder if it wouldn't be nice sometime if I took out across the desert here, went over and took a look for myself. Now, I don't know that the super chief ever said that. But I do know this, that one time, coming out of Winslow, Arizona, coming this way, that super chief went off the track. 
and it went off the track on the side toward Grand Canyon. Fact of the matter is, I'm not sure it was headed for Grand Canyon, but I'm here to tell you, it never did make it to Grand Canyon. Never did. It was a wreck. That super chief, as long as it was in the track, as long as it was doing the thing it was supposed to do as a super chief, it could do all things a super chief could do, up and down and up over mountain, down in the valley, across the desert, and into the plains. It could do it. It had no problem at all. But the minute it left the track, it was a wreck. And it was a mess. I came along there that time, and it was just, oh, my. There were cars turned on the side. It just didn't look very good. And it was helpless. It was hopeless the minute it left the track. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. I can do all things in Christ. That's the track the believers to run on. And long as we're in that track, of the context of the will of Christ for our lives. We're a member of his body. He's the head. We're to function there. And Paul says, I can do all things in Christ. I can't do all things. After all, if I could jump like a grasshopper could jump, I'd go out of this building and could jump over it. But I can't jump over it. In fact, I don't jump very high anymore. When I was in school, I was the high jumper, but I can't do that anymore. But a grasshopper does pretty well in his jumping, but I can't. I can't do all things, but I can do all things in Christ. He's the one that strengthens me, Paul says. He'll strengthen you, enable you, give you the enablement to do the thing that's in his will, in the context of your Christian life. And that, my friend, is a tremendous satisfaction. That's the satisfaction of power that he's not putting into my hands or your hands uncontrolled power. He hasn't put an atom bomb in my hand. He could, but he hasn't. He has, however, said that as a member of the body of Christ, if you'll function there, I'll give you the enablement. You'll be able to do what you're supposed to do. That's what Paul means when he uses that expression here. Now, will you notice, he says after this, "...notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction." Paul is getting right down to the nitty-gritty here. And he had made it very clear to them before, you remember. He says, "...I know how to be content in whatsoever state I'm in." I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. In other words, Paul says, I am right where I ought to be. Where was he? In prison, in Rome. And you remember the Philippians had said to him, Oh, brother Paul, how tragic it is that you are in prison. The gospel is being hindered, and the gospel is being held back. And you're in prison, and it's so tragic. Paul says, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Oh, I'm right where God wants me to be. And there is no satisfaction like that, my Christian friend. You can go on drugs if you want to. 
and you can use the gimmicks of this world, and you can take these little courses. Oh, my, how popular they are today. Everybody feels like if they take a little course, that solved the problem. My friend, you don't solve them like that. As we've said before, it's only in the context of the Word of God. And the satisfaction of power is that when I'm in the will of God, I'm going to be able to do what He wants me to do. And that what happens to me or to you will be for the very best if you're in Christ and you are operating in the context of the will of God for your life. All this matter, if I learn how to say this and do this and act this way, it's just going to solve all my problems. My friend, you can be a psychological misfit and be one of the sweetest little things in the world and turn out to be the biggest hypocrite that there is. Don't you want reality today? Why not come God's way? Why not forget all this little gimmick business? And why not get down to a serious study of the Word of God? Not just the Gospel of John. That's wonderful. But move on to something else. There's 65 other books in the Bible. Why not get the total Word of God, and you'll get the total will of God for this life. And therefore, you will have a basis on which you can operate. And it's a joy, and it's a satisfaction, and it is a sheer delight to know that you're in the will of God, doing what God wants you to do. And I don't care how many little gimmicks that you come up with. If you are not going to find yourself in the will of God, doing God's will, then, my friend, you may be able to make a gimmick work for a few weeks. I asked a fellow that paid out quite a bit of money to take a certain course, and he took it, and he said, oh, it's just helped me, it's helped my family. Well, I said, wonderful. I said, how long ago was that? Well, he said, several months ago. But I said, you emphasized to me that right after you took the course, it just revolutionized. Well, he said, it did. Well, I said, how is it going now? Well, he said, we're just about back where we were before I took the course. I said, well, then, apparently whatever it was didn't work. It wasn't the way. I said, how much time do you really spend in the Word of God? My friend, that's the answer. And it's so simple that I'm not able to charge for it, just not able to do that, and I can't work out a bunch of little gimmicks. So all I can say to you, why don't you get to the Word of God? Why don't you study the Word of God? And therefore, Paul is able to tell these Philippians that loved him so. Why, he says, what's happened has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. I've known how to be a base, and I know how to abound. And I'll be honest with you, I wish I could say that at all times. Things are going well. I do pretty well. And it's quite interesting where the Lord put me when I made the notes on Philippians. I was up in Boston area, Boston, Massachusetts, a place called Air. My son-in-law was in the service, and Miss McGee and I went up there to visit my daughter and my son-in-law. And while we were there, it was, I think, in February, a snowstorm came that paralyzed that entire area. I tell you, on the TV, cars stranded everywhere, people going into 
houses of individuals had to be taken in like that, schools. And I couldn't even get out of the place. I couldn't even get through by telephone to find out whether I had all my reservations, whether they were good or not, just stranded. And I couldn't get out of the motel. And from the motel, my daughter's apartment, back and forth, I went there and paced up and down. And I found it a little difficult to be content. But it was during that time that I wrote the notes on Philippians. It wasn't until after I found out the Lord is saying, well, now you're going to tell people that in whatever state there is to be content. And I want you to know I'm going to put you in a state where you're going to find it difficult to be content. And I must say that, oh, to be in the will of God, friends, how important that is. And will you notice here now, he moves on. Verse 15, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. This is a church that was a jewel. And there are churches like that across this country, wonderful churches that have a heart and have a wonderful fellowship, and they're doing wonderful things for God. God's blessing them in a marvelous, wonderful way. And this church was close to the Apostle Paul, and they were the ones that sent support to him. Paul was their missionary. Wouldn't you love to have had Paul as your missionary and been supporting him? Now he says in verse 16, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now you remember Paul had to leave Philippi post-haste. He took French leave. He had to get on the way. And they were going to stone him there, going to put him to death. And he got over in Thessalonica and in trouble again. And no one was helping Paul, but the church in Philippi did. And he says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And I think that church in Philippi has been getting dividends from that day down to the present time. Right now, we're studying the epistle to the Philippians, and someday, whatever profit comes from this study, they're in on it. They're going to get a dividend because they got stock in the apostle Paul. All friends to have part in getting out the Word of God. Now, will you notice? But I have all, and abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you in order of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. No, the high priest went in and offered incense and are put incense on an offering. And might ascended with a sweet smell. And that's what your gift is to God when it's given in the right way. Now he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I believe that God blesses those. Now he's not promised to bless us with financial or physical things, but he does it. That's a surplus. That's something he does just because he does things with loving kindness. Now he says, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. May God get the glory. Now he thinks of something. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Salute each one of them personally for me. The brethren which are with me, they greet you. 
Isn't that lovely? All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. While there were those of the nobility, patricians, in the household of Caesar. And they were Christians, and they wanted to be remembered to the Philippians. Now he closes with this grand benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. (laughs) Amen. And I close with that benediction. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Next time on The Bible Bus, we begin a new adventure, this time in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. You know you can read ahead in the first couple of chapters and then ask God to prepare your heart to hear His truth about what really matters in life. To get your copy of a reading schedule bookmark, you can visit us at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. And you can always email us at biblebus at ttb.org. Now as we close, I leave you with the benediction that Paul gave to the Philippians. And may God supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.